There are so many different businesses out there that may do the same exact thing. They might provide the same service. They might offer the same product. Uh, but really what makes people different in their business is, is actually their story. Their story is what makes them unique. Their story is what makes them connect with their customers. And we talk about this all the time that, you know, in order to really stand out, you know, to have your business really break out of what the norm is, you know, you have to be able to humanize your brand. Um, and to humanize your brand means to put yourself out there. So basically not being perfect, you know, so you could be relatable. Um, sharing your story, you know, what what got you to where you are uh, through the struggles, you know, through the trials and errors. And we preach this all the time. Um, but what's hard is like your average business owner, they they don't don't think their their story is important. They don't think, you know, why would anybody care about my story? Um, but that's the human element. Why do you think, uh, you know, your average business owner doesn't think their their story is important? You think it's a self conscious thing? Do you think it's just that they don't they don't understand the power because they haven't seen the results yet by by sharing their story? Like, what have what have you found uh, through your experience? I think a lot of people have been told their story doesn't matter because we're always taught that, and, and there's truth to this, that um, everyone, any potential customer, um, they want to know what's in it for them. And the truth be told, they really, they care about themselves and their family. They're, they're, they really don't care about you. They care about your product or your service and what it can offer for them. And it's short-sighted. Because your story does matter. Not necessarily, don't think of it as, oh, don't think of it as because they care about you. It's because they care about your product or service and what it can do for them. So yes, they're most interested in what's in it for them. And your story is important to them, whether it's a potential customer, patient, um, or a potential candidate, an employee, is if you have a story that connects with them, then they are more likely to give you a shot when it comes time for that need, if it's a product or service. Is that making sense? Because that's where I think we've gone wrong is to tell them no matter what, what your story really doesn't matter. Who cares that you guys grew up together on the same street, your high school sweethearts and got married and started your own business. Well, it does matter to people. It matters because they could connect with that and say, these people must be hardworking. If they're hardworking, maybe I do want to give them a shot. Maybe if they're hardworking and, and something falls short, um, it, then they're going to make sure that they go above and beyond in, in fixing it. Whatever the situation is, your story matters a lot. And that's how you connect with people. And that's what we're talking about when you humanize your brand. When you humanize your brand, you are who you really are. You're not somebody else. When you humanize your brand, you tell your story in your words, not in the marketing professional's words. You, when you humanize your brand, it's not just the written word. It's the spoken word because we influence people. We persuade people by using the power and persuasion of sound, the human voice, music as well, jingle, repetition. We've gone through that before. How'd you learn the alphabet? You sung it, repeated over and over again. Um, so that, that's the power of sound. You humanize your brand um, by telling the story 
of why you're doing what you're doing. What is it? What is your gratification in running your business or owning your business? Or what is the gratification in growing your business through more employees? That's the kind of stuff that's in it for me as a potential customer or a uh, potential employee. You, you, you humanize your brand by telling your story. We've been telling stories forever and, and, and stories. What's this guy's, what's this guy's name? We were reading an article, Patrick, oh, Patrick Hanlon from uh, Primal Branding. He says, without story, things have no context, no understanding, no meaning. People don't understand you, much less care about you. Without story and the context story provides, and the context story provides, you are irrelevant. So without story and the context story provides, you are irrelevant. So if you want to connect with more humans, if you want more customers, more humans, if you want to hire more humans, you, you have to be human. So story matters. It is how you humanize your brand. One other thing, often you know, there's a lot of good people think, well, if I'm going to expose my brand to the world and mold my brand, I need high production quality. It needs to be perfect. And there's nothing wrong with high production quality. You don't always have to be perfect. You need to be human, which is why we say it, you know, it's not always a voiceover announcer talking about your brand say in a radio ad or a TV ad on your website, whatever you're doing, it's you, it's you, it's your employees. Maybe it's your customers. Uh, it's you are the people, you are the human beings that are telling the story. It's your chance to have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with a potential customer or employee. You humanize your brand by telling your story and it is important. And if someone tells you it's not important, they're wrong. I agree with what you're saying, especially about the um, like high production. I think if one thing that struck me and a lot of things struck me about COVID um, was how in many cases, especially like the late night, late night shows, um, they didn't have the ability to do high production um, quality. They didn't have great boom mics and huge cameras because these guys were in their attics and in their basements granted their basements and attics are like palatial but um they're in there and they're recording their wives are holding or their partners are holding their cell phones and I think I was watching Jimmy Fallon who I don't really even care for that much but I developed a new appreciation for him because the show that he gave from filming it from his iPhone his wife doing it for him was so much more intimate and so much more real and I felt like he wasn't just a suit behind a desk reading uh, cue cards and, you know, kind of putting on the personality that a late night person should put on. I felt like he was more himself and he was more human. Um, and it kind of made it okay for people to strip things down and, um, and be a little bit more who they are and not just the glossy version of what they think that they're supposed to be. Does that make sense? We, um, in a, a great, it, a great example of being human, being real, and the power of power of sound and power of storytelling had nothing to do with marketing. 
um, well, actually it, it did, but it was um, uh, a WGR 550. It's a sports uh, talk show, talk radio station in Buffalo where, where we're located. And um, Howard Simon has been a sports personality for, I don't know, 30 years. And he recently retired and he had done the show in the mornings with Jeremy White the last, I don't know, 12 years or something like that, 13 years. And they did their last show together and they just talked. You could, and, and, and you could, it was just two buddies that that was the end of something they had going and two buddies that were really emotional and really themselves. And, you know, if they needed to cry, they cried, you know, they told each other what they thought of themselves and you know, Howard's son was there and it was just really, really powerful and gripping. And I want to say, I don't, at the end of the show, I, I wish I could tell, it was probably 15 minutes, a 15 minute segment, maybe 20 minute segment. You couldn't, if you couldn't stop listening to it, that's powerful storytelling. It's WGR. So Google it if you want to, I'm sure that's still up in the archives because it was really powerful, really powerful radio, great marketing for them as well. But that wasn't the intent. It was real two guys just talking about uh, how much they care for each other, what they, what they mean to each other. And uh, it was just real powerful stuff because they were just being human. Right. And that's how, like you said, that's how you connect with other humans. Um, I think you can think about like your family almost has like a brand and that's how you pass your family stories down too. Um, we don't, I don't know about how my grandparents came from Calabria um, to New York to North Tonawanda because I read it in a book. Um, I don't know about it because it was on some, you know, cold website or something like that. I know about it because of how my grandparents told me those stories over and over and over again. And I remember not just the story itself, but how they told the story, you know, the tone of their voice and um, what the kitchen smelled like at that time. And now I've started with my grandmother. She's, uh, you know, in uh, the grips of dementia when she has moments of clarity I've been recording, she doesn't know I'm recording her because she hates cameras. She, she probably wouldn't realize it was a camera anymore. I guess that would be a silver lining of it. But I record her telling the story now. Um, because if we don't have that, then my kids aren't, if we don't pass those stories down, my kids aren't going to remember them. You know, they're not going to hear how she told the story. And, you know, I think it's the same with a business. We go to the same jewelry store. From the time I was four years old, because of the stories, the um, interactions that we had with the company, not because they pick their diamonds from sustainable mines or because they have their own jewelers on the premises. I don't give a care. I don't care about any of that shit. I can get a nice diamond ring pretty much anywhere, really. God, you can buy them online now if you wanted to. But we go there because we have a connection to their story. Our family has a is a part of their brand or a part of their community. It's too bad that they don't share that story. I mean, not just ours, but their own family story and their advertising. I mean, they kind of do, they'll say, well, we've been doing this for generations, but that's about as warm as it gets. Um, and I just think that connection, I mean, that's what keeps us going back. 
You, um, That's what makes people stand out too, is like right. going away from the generic tone of we've been doing this for X amount of years right. and everybody's all happy. Well, give us a moment, give us like a, a specific moment in time where somebody felt that specific way of joy, of, of happiness, of crying, sadness, whatever it may be, yeah. whatever you're trying to convey versus this general layout that everybody else uses. And it, it comes back to how do you stand out in a sea of this? I don't want to say the same business, but when you're in a similar industry, yeah. you might be looked at as the same, like, okay, well, I could go to A, B, C, or D, you know, in this area, or I can order things offline. So the competition's great now more than ever. I mean, it's not just mom and pa shops. They have the ability to go online too. And then when you go online, yeah. You can get lost in the mix, but your story is what would make you stand out. Um, and I did want to bring this up too. It it goes beyond about them, you know, the business owner, the team that's behind the business. It it actually goes into what do they actually stand for? Um, something that's kind of overlooked because you're not going to be for everybody. You're going to have people that don't agree with however you run your business or um, what you believe in, what you stand for. And that could be literally anything, but it's fine because you're not going to be for everybody. And it's more important to have that, the, the tribe, I guess, you know, you find your tribe, your community of people that will run through a brick wall for you. Uh, and those are the, those are the customers that last, you know, just like you said, Maria, from the generations that have went down the chain, you know, going to that store, same thing for any other business. It, it starts off with one person and it can go generations down um, to the grandchild, you know, because of, again, the stories that are passed down, the memories that are shared. Um, and it's at the end of the day, it's, uh, you know, nothing's more powerful than a referral. So if you have somebody telling you, you got to check this place out, this is, this is the best food. This is the best product. I mean, that's where the trust comes in because we're at, it's so important to do this sort of stuff because you want to build trust with people. If you were to pick a word, why this is all important, it's, it's to build trust. Seneca right. nation, you know Maria, Seneca nation, right? Yeah. You work with them. Um, all those generations ago, it was storytelling. Well, mm -hmm. that's how they was. There was no written language all those years ago, or how did that go down? I mean, okay, so uh, I'm not a, a member of the Seneca Nation. I feel like I have to, you know, definitely put that forth. Um, and I don't know everything. But what I do know is stories are, they tell their history. They're passed down from generation to generation. And it's not just the story itself. It's the language, um, the language in which the story is told. So sure, I mean, they could go ahead and tell the creation story in English to kids and they're going to, they're they're going to tell that because the Seneca language is very difficult. It's all verb-based. It's not, you know, this is apple, this is this. It's okay, well, the closest we could get to apple is picking an apple. You know, everything is kind of like a phrase. Jer Jamie and I, when, when we were there, um, Flip was telling us some things like there was no direct word for pizza. It, I think like it ended up being translated to it's gonna be hairy so arm awful. pie, hairy arm pie, because they can see like 
hairy arms, like needing the pizza. But it's also that language. And it's so critical for them to keep passing the story down in that language, because that that's one thing that helps keep their nation sovereign. It's, it's so important. And Jamie, when you were talking about, um, you know, finding your tribe, I'm not talking about finding the Seneca tribe, but, um, when I had, uh, recommended Trader Joe's to you Mm -hmm. and Jamie, well, we were on, I think we were on a road trip or something. And he was saying, I'm going to start, I'm starting to cook now. And I want to do more things. I'm like, you got to go to Trader Joe's. There's like, they have these frozen things. Every time you go there, you're going to leave in a great mood. And he went there and he got back and he's like, I had the best time at Trader Joe's. I, I didn't even get into like one aisle because I just got like everything that was there and everything was so nice, you know, and he became part of that Trader Joe's like community, that tribe, mm-hmm. but they're not for everybody. So on the flip side, I had did the same to my dad. You should go. My dad loves food. He likes fresh ingredients. And he went there and he left and he's like, I'm not going to that place ever again. He goes, that was the worst thing ever. You know, there are so many people in there. I wanted to buy soda and they don't have soda because they don't believe in it. You know, and he got so put off by it. But the people that do go there, you, me, and like every other suburban person that has a Trader Joe's, they're never going to leave. They have that connection to it. Yeah, I, I for people that want to be like in and out too, like that might not be for them if it's crowded, mm-hmm. you know, you're better off going to like, uh, you know, Tops or Wegmans where you got some breathing room at least. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's more important to have people that, that believe in what you're doing than just this general wide net that you throw out there. Let's get anybody to come here. Um, they obviously stand for something too, which is like a higher quality food and beverage, I guess, but not on a level where, uh, it's going to break the bank. They have like a, they have like a really good, like balance of, okay, here are these like clean, fresh products that we offer. Um, but the overall landscape might, um, discourage somebody because it's, it's a little bit of a smaller store. You want to be in and out, you might have to wait in the line. So yeah, it's kind of, if it's a good example of like either you love it or you hate it. So I think a good example, good one to bring up. I think a good example of storytelling focused on a product and service kind of like it, it's sort of touches on what you were talking about, Jamie, which is what do you stand for? But it's Leon common son monument company. So fourth generation, you know, the original Leon came over. Here's his story. How powerful is that story? What does it tell you? He came over, uh, didn't speak English, um, man, by himself at age 12 or 13, by himself, didn't speak English, and uh, made it through the Depression, started this business, and now it's into the fourth generation. That part of the story right there tells you what? Oh, they, they're hard, we're hardworking people, mm-hmm. you know? And so, yeah. and, and now... Um, it would be his grandson is Leon and then his great grandson is Michael and Michael's kind of running the show now with, with this monument company. Um, but what they also part of their storytelling, we let them tell their story. You know, the, there's no high production. It's just, they just sit there and tell their story, but, uh, and they used strictly audio which radio, um, advertising, but, What's in part of their one of their stories was about the fact that the the hand sketching. So 
um, sometimes people want to memorialize a loved one and, and they'll give, uh, uh, give them a, a picture, a photo. And to Michael's point, it's like, well, we don't just want to put a photo on the, on the stone. They can take a photo. We want an artist rendering. So what's, what's a rendering of it and what they do, they hand sketch it. And that's not something you're taught in school. So part of their advertising, part of what they're talking about is this is passed down from generation to generation. And then we bring in artisans. They're just calm artists. It's not just artisans. They're calm artisans and craftsmen. And we teach them what was taught to us as it came down to the generations. And we still do the same thing. Wow. That's pretty powerful. Yeah. That, that's pretty powerful. These people really care. It's not, they don't talk about anything except for we're we're going to do you you can't i mean they don't say you can't do the no you can't get this anywhere else it's implied because it's only the calm way right we only right. pass that it's our secrets this is how we do it we don't have to say we just talk about you know that's our passion this is the way we like to do it it's the harder way to do it, it takes a lot more time but it's much more memorable more meaningful not only for our customers but for ourselves, it's meaningful to them to do this, to honor these people's legacy. It's pretty powerful when they sit there and talk about that. Yeah, there was something, I um, I don't know if it was just a conversation or if it was a recording that Leon had said about the responsibility that they had for these people, that they viewed themselves as the keeper of the memories for these people. And I mean, in that kind of a situation, I mean, when are you more, when are you going to be more emotional than when you're planning um, the funeral of somebody that you love? You know, I mean, that's an instance where I would rather pay more money, drive a little bit further, have something be a little bit more inconvenient, knowing that there is a, another family waiting for me that takes such a uh, responsibility about keeping my family's memories and making sure that they're um, represented in the way that we want them to not just well these are the typefaces that we have for this headstone and you can choose from angels a b or c or cross d e and f you know i mean it just makes it you you get the feeling of well, i'm going to be okay they're going to they're going to take care of me not just i have to order a tombstone these guys the com family's going to take care of me yeah, I think about, and we do a lot in recruitment and, and our focus instead of recruitment is retention. We go retention and recruitment rather than recruitment and retention. So how do you recruit? Well, we think about Goose Creek Rural Fire Department in Goose Creek, South Carolina. Um, volunteerism across the country is is way down, not just in emergency services, but just all across everything. So there's a desperate need, by the way, volunteer firefighters, you guys are, Gales are amazing. We need more of you. Um, so how do, how did we have quote unquote success while the rest of the country volunteers numbers were down, Goose Creek rural fire departments went up. How did that happen? There's a, multiple reasons buy-in internally from 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 everybody that is a volunteer there from the chief on down but it's through storytelling it's through mm -hmm. storytelling we let the volunteers that currently volunteer at goose creek rural fire department tell their story their why 
why are they a volunteer firefighter? Not just a volunteer firefighter, but why at Goose Creek? Because all over South Carolina, they're needed. A lot of these people go to Goose Creek, become volunteers, learn to trade, get incredible training, and then they go become career firefighters. Yet they have a career. This is what they're doing. They still come back and they're still putting in tons of hours as volunteers. Why? Because they care. They care about this community. They're attached to this community and they tell their stories. So that is a retention and recruitment retention first, because when you let people tell their stories and they work at that in this situation, they're volunteers at this fire department, you're telling them, you know, we want more people like you and we want you to tell your story and represent our brand, represent our department and tell the world your own personal story and your why, because you're more likely to connect with somebody just like you than the chief is just by telling, you know, why you should come and volunteer here. So that is what we call the Hollywood effect, right? We let the, the current in this situation, volunteers tell their story, um, their relatives, their neighbors, they like it. Um, they tell others about it. Um, that's, that's the Hollywood effect. They feel good about it. So that is that retention. We're trying to keep you here. We want to show our appreciation for you. But at the same time, by you telling your story, we leverage your story to connect with others like you so that they want to join as well. But again, it's all about being human, humanizing your brand. We humanize the Goose Creek Rural Fire Department by letting everybody there tell their story on their terms in their way because every story is different and not every story to your point from earlier jamie not every story is going to connect with everyone not every brand is going to connect with everyone not every business is going to connect with everyone but those who you connect with those people that are on uh, that follow your that, that be, follow your tribe follow you all the way those are the people that that are going to join you and and rally behind you and and do whatever it is you're you're trying to accomplish which in this situation was to uh, to retain and to to grow your your volunteer force. You know, something that I think was so unique about now, I mean, we all live in communities where there's career and volunteer fire departments and everybody has seen those billboards that they're looking for recruits. And I mean, it looks like the world is on fire and the only people who can uh, save it are gonna be these big, brave firefighters. Well, if I was driving by that, I'd be like, Hell no. And I have, my husband's a career firefighter. I wouldn't want to have anything to do with that crap. But one thing that you guys, we, we did so beautifully was show the different types of people that volunteer. They're not just big, brave firefighters. There's um, a lovely woman that works in administration. There are mechanics. There are people who help with the fundraising. And we showed not just one type of person, not just one boilerplate G.I. Joe firefighter. We showed so many different parts of what makes the department and also what puts the community together, um, which I think was so cool because they ended up getting more uh, volunteers, probably that nobody would have even thought of volunteering for a fire department to be a CPA or something like that in the past. We just thought of being a firefighter and that was it. Yeah, great point about the support team. Um, there are more members of a volunteer department often that are part of the support team. Um, yeah, you're, it, it does it. I think it's a big error 
to when you're marketing yourself or marketing your you want volunteers or for career and just to to show people running in these burning buildings you know fire and and that is definitely not for some people which is great we need those people that want to risk everything and and to to save others but others want to help and they want to help those that will go risk their lives and run into the burning buildings. And we need those people. We need a lot of them. Maybe there's other duties they can do rather than running into the building, like you said, mechanic or uh, ad admin, IT. There's tons of things that need to be done. And all those people are human. Yet most of the advertising and recruiting is focused on a burning building. Do you uh, in New York State? It's I think it's do you have the fire in you? And for some, that is a connection, but there are so many other positions needed, and you could connect with so many more people who could help you. And maybe, maybe they they come and volunteer, and and they're not going into burning buildings, uh, but they're doing other things. Uh, they're they're helping, but maybe someday they decide, you know what, I do want to, and I will go into burning buildings down the road or I'll get into emergency or in, in, in whatever other departments that there are. I think um, there's a much more, even if, um, even if, like you said, Maria, you're driving down and you see this billboard run into a burning building. Your husband's like, let's go. I know that's what he does, but let's say he didn't do that. If your husband wasn't actually a career firefighter, he's like, I want to go volunteer, jump into a building. You're like, no, man, I don't want you to do that either. So it's not not even just you. It might be a loved one that you're like. Let's, right. let's not let's not do that. Let's just yeah. So there is a place for that, but it can't be a hundred percent. If you want to get somebody, an accountant, if you want an accountant to volunteer in your fire department, well, don't tell them to go run. Don't advertise to them or running into a burning building. Talk to him as an accountant. You know, what, maybe, you know, what is a role? Maybe there's an accountant there now that needs help. That accountant can tell his or her story and maybe that'll attract another accountant. Uh, but yeah, you just need to be, it's a great point. It always drives me nuts when I see just the world is on fire. I just don't know how yeah. attractive. <laughs> I don't know how attractive. Some people love it though. I, I feel like good. some people, they some get that people, adrenaline well, rush. I'll, I'll tell you who do like the, the people that are really into that. And that's fantastic. Most of those people are captured. Mm -hmm. already. They're mm, already. Right. Captured. Right. Right. They, 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 they the legacy that, firefighters. They are. Yeah. They are. And they're, they're, they're fantastic people. We need them. Yes, we need them. Uh, or it could just be not a legacy. Maybe they grew up and loved seeing the fire. But the one guy we talked to down in South Carolina, he's like, oh, I was four years old and I saw the red fire truck. And I told my mom, I'm going to be a firefighter. Yep. And she, yep. she took pictures of me on a fire truck. That's all I've ever wanted to do. Mm -hmm. That's fantastic. That's what he wanted. There are those. And so when you show those types of uh, things happening where there's a burning building or a fire truck running out, guys like that will like that. That's fantastic. Mm -hmm. But if you want to grow your volunteers outside of just people that are running into burning buildings, then you need to talk to them in a way that they will connect by telling stories that they'll appreciate. And they don't even, oh, really? You need help washing the trucks? Mm. You know, I can do that. Well, here is Jane Doe who washes the trucks or Joe Blow who washes the trucks. 
Tell us why you do that. What is your story? What is your gratification? Well, I love the community, whatever community it is. And, and uh, I really appreciate these, these people that do risk their lives going in these buildings. And I want to help them. I don't have that. I don't have that in my gut to go run into the, the buildings. But I realize I want these people, if I'm in trouble or my family or my neighbors are in trouble, I want to be able to support them so that we can do this. They need these things. Volunteers. So mm -hmm. they have to, you, you can connect by showing the volunteers and showing what they do and letting them tell their stories, not only of what they do, but, but why they do it. And that will hopefully connect them with others just like them. Yeah. It made, it also makes me kind of think of uh, the radio ads that we did for Geico. Um, who was it uh, that used to drive the bus? But I mean, how many people are you know, breaking the door down to work in a call center. Some people, that's exactly what some people want to do, you know, but I think we really mind the company because there was such a stigma um, about working in a call center. You know, I mean, if you think about, you think of rows of people sitting in desks on the phone, your bathroom t is timed, you know, it just seems very sterile and um, not for a lot of people. Um, we really worked with the team to find unique stories of people that got there. And I, I was thinking of, uh, was it Tamara yes. um, who drove the bus? Yeah. Um, and she, I remember her saying, I never would have thought of working here. I was driving a bus, barely making ends meet. And now I've been able to pay for my kid to go to college. I have a house, you know, and um, listening to her tell that story on the radio, I mean, it was just so, uh, how could it not connect with you? People who would never have thought of working in a call center would be like, boy, you know what? I am where I am and I don't feel like I'm moving anywhere and I want a little bit more. Maybe I will try a call center. Maybe I will try going to a big company like Geico instead of being kind of in the safe bubble that I am right now. Cause it's what I know, you know? And then again, with that retention, I mean, what pride we saw from the team members um, that got on the radio that ended up on a billboard. Uh, it was just real powerful. I think it showed the, not necessarily the, the company brand, but the careers brand um, for Logo that we were able to, for Logo, for Geico. And, yeah. Well, you know. the, yeah, they're yeah, their employer brand. They did separate the two, which was which yep. was great. But yeah, the you're right. The call center thought of a call center, a call center brand is just non-human. How do you humanize that? Mm -hmm. You got three thousand people working there. We need another whatever, a uh, couple hundred. Well, the way you humanize that brand is be human. And let the people that work there, the ones that, that are your superstars, let them tell their stories, their whys of what is it, what got them into it. I was a bus driver, I was, you know, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And then why it took off and why it became a, a career for them. And that's all we did. And there was no, the writing for stuff like that, when you write advertisements, um, when, when you're trying to, it, it's post-production. So it's, it, it, there are no scripts that there's no scripting and we want, we want mistakes, you know, whether it's the, or it might not be grammatically correct. If that's how you speak, that's what we're going for. You know, um, 
So and another thing we, we, we learned through that, actually that experience, I believe we learned that through the Geico experience was it's more important mm -hmm. how you say it than it is what you say. So what I mean by that is, I mean, you can't have incorrect facts. Um, you, you have to be factual, um, but you have to be, your passion is what comes out. People can tell when you're, if you're reading a script and you're not an actor or an actress, they, uh, or, or it's preconceived, they can tell. It, it doesn't click. It doesn't connect. There's no emotional connection. But if you're speaking with passion, they can tell. And they can tell that you really mean what you're saying. The idea is to have that one-on-one -on -one conversation. It's not necessarily a commercial. I'm not listening to a commercial. I'm listening to a story. And this person is having a one-on-one -on -one conversation with me and persuading me to, in this situation, I think I should apply it at that place. I think yeah. I connect with him. I connect with her. And I'm, I'll, I'll give them a shot. At least go go apply in an interview and 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 see if there's more of a connection so it's it's uh it's all about being real and then when you have an advertisement you have to be able to tell us a whole different subject but you have to be able to tell the story so that it is in a certain time limit if it's a 30 second ad or a 60 second ad or whatever it is you have to be able to edit it so that's what we mean by the scripting does come after there are, when people say, okay, what do you got for me? We say a microphone. Uh, that's it. There are no yeah. scripts. We are going to, our job is to get that story out of you. We just want you to talk to us, have that conversation. We'll record that conversation and then we'll use that uh, and help tell your story and the story of the brand in this situation. And I, with, um, with Geico also, you know, we've talked about Crosspoint before, but with Geico, it didn't just um, make the employees happy and interest people in applying for the job, but it also gave people a lot of comfort that were nervous and coming in. Um, one of the women that we had in the commercials was Michelle, who was just this bubbly, effervescent, sweet, genuine person. And we had her on one of the radio commercials. She was also on Billboard. Um, talk about being excited about being on anything at all. But she had said to us once, all of the people that come in that are nervous, um, some of these are young people who gra just graduated from college, who have never even been on a professional job interview before. But they, she said they kind of peek their heads in and will say, are you Michelle? Oh, okay, good. And then they're immediately like, okay, I feel a bit better because I feel like I know somebody. Um, I mean, it eased the fears of people, not just uh, cause them to take action in applying. Also shows how important that director of first impressions is. Yeah. She was the first person. That oh my God. And she was just amazing. Well, she still is. Yeah. Um, she, she was just such a great person. So how easy was that for us? Uh, just talk. You know, and she would just talk. She was she was great. And she's bubbly. Uh, I was telling Jamie uh, before we started recording today, Maria, about an experience I had over the weekend. Uh, my my daughter played in a um, in a softball tournament indoors, and uh, it was pretty cool. It was at the Bills practice facility, 
Buffalo oh, Bills cool. practice facility. Mm -hmm. So it's got a super high ceiling. So it's like you're outdoors because you can, so kids can hit, you know, a lot of times you play indoors, there's the low roof, you know, so it was 40 degrees outside and we were able to play, play some softball games, but um, their director of first impressions, I, I can't believe that this happened, that they allow this, this billion, multi-billion dollar organization. So we walk in and I just got the stink eye from this guy. He's like, look at him. He's like, what are you doing? What's your name? I'm like, uh, you know, I'm just one of the coaches. What team? Uh, I tell him the team. He's like, oh, I, I've, I've never heard of you. you know, I never heard of you. I'm like, oh, okay. I, look, we just got here. We we're the first from our team to get there. So I'm like, is there something we're supposed to do? You know? And he's like, all right. All right. So what I, I, it hit me later. What he was doing is, um, you know, the, parents or anyone that's going to watch the games they're actually charging people that's another story i think that's a pr mistake but they're charging people to come watch their kids play softball the bills are charging people to come in so i don't know if this was an outside organization that rented the facility from the bills and then but in the end to me it's a bad look for the buffalo bills uh because uh, because this guy in everyone else's mind is representing mm -hmm. The bills. It's a bills. It's a bills facility, bills organization. But um, so I, I got through it. He was just so he was worried that I was trying to sneak in. He thought I'm just a parent of this kid, and I'm trying to sneak in and not pay my nine bucks. Right. But but I mean, coaches and players, and so I'm like, oh no, I'm yeah, I'm just one of the coaches, whatever. So I figured that out. Well, I found out from all the other coaches that did the same thing. He's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then um, uh, we were playing our last game, and there was some confusion about timing or something. And he came over, he had been announcing things on the megaphone, uh, which no one could hear because you're busy playing and coaching. And he came over and said, all right, this game is over. And I was like, what's going on? And uh, the coaches on the other team, not our team, were yelling at him. You know, eh, this we, we get to play. It got very ugly in front of 11 and 12 year old girls. It was unfortunate, but he was yelling back. He pushed the umpire and said, the game is over. And they're all yelling at each other. Uh, just, just completely inappropriate. Um, and, but, and all I hear is the bills are a joke. The bills are all the, the people are yelling at him. I'm like, that's bad PR. Yeah. They had a bad taste in their mouth when they first came in. Cause I guarantee he gave them the stink guy too. Like, who are you? You know, bad, bad idea. We talk about shoveling the sidewalk. And they didn't shovel the sidewalk. They, that was a very icy sidewalk. It was really, <laughs> yeah, really bad. I mean, that is the complete opposite of Michelle. The complete opposite. Yeah. I mean, and people were just. I mean, that brand is powerful. I don't think people aren't going to go to a Bills game because of it. Um, but that is just a bad. It was a bad look. I just can't believe that guy whether he represents the bills works for the bills or he represents a company that the bills, you know, rented the facility to, it was just really bad, bad for that brand. And really it was actually, I was just really embarrassed for him and for everybody involved. Gotta love youth sports though, in general. I mean, that's a, there's another story. Something know, like that happens there. <laughs> They're high, but yeah, I mean a human negatively affecting your, yeah. your brand. So there's a story that I just told that is a negative story, you know, but yeah. it's a story that will maybe in some capacity influence their brand on that very minute little, like 
they may have made a mistake in having this guy. Oh, it was funny. Then we were leaving. So this, this guy's just, he's just, you know what it reminds me of? Remember when you're in elementary school and I don't remember what they were called, but you're not allowed, allowed to run in the halls. Kids just want to run in the halls. Yeah, like and a hall they, monitor. Yeah, hall monitor. They didn't, they didn't empower yeah. some kids to do it. And, they, yeah. and when I was growing up, they, they put the, they have the, the orange. And it's, yeah. And a badge. A badge. Yeah. And they'd be the back and walk. Police. Back and walk. That's what they say. Back. Well, that's yeah. what this guy was. This was his chance. This was yeah. his opportunity to tell everybody, get back and walk. I'm controlling this thing. And it was really obvious. Just, just, it was just really, it was just pr pretty bad. Uh, but that's what I can com compared it to is that was his big opportunity to, uh, to control the whole situation. And, and he did. And we, I'll tell you this, it was really cool for the girls to be in that facility. They've been there and done that. We won't go back next year. Yeah. We won't do it. It's just not everybody can handle that kind of power. 